0: Amen. I am excited to have Brother and Sister Maggianas with us. Amen. Good to have them. I'm, it's it's a long-distance friendship, but it's a great friendship. Uh, Brother and Sister Maggianas uh, were in Prescott Valley, Arizona, whenever I was there to preach for Brother Rick Evans. Preached a week-long revival. I did so good that they left town whenever I got done. We did have a great revival that week. It was a great a great time for me. Amen. I was in a place where I needed uh, to see and witness and be a part of a move of God, and we had that while we were there. They were doing a Spanish work there. They've also served in a couple of different offices there in Prescott Valley, but they're in Escondido now, California, doing a Spanish work there, and they have been pastoring full time for seven years. Amen. And like I said, it's been mostly a friendship over text and Facebook. Amen. But when we met... It was like we had been friends for many, many years off that first meet, amen. And how many, how many has friends like that? As people that you don't, you maybe you don't know them very well, but the first time you met them, you just knew those were friends of yours, and that's what brother and sister Jesus and Darlene have been to us, amen. We want you to come, brother Jesus, we want you to preach to us tonight, amen, and we're glad to have you, and Lighthouse, let's give them a good welcome tonight, amen, we're thankful for that. Appreciate your friendship, brother.
1: Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. As you can tell, my first language is not English. I live in Southern California, and if you don't speak Spanish there, you can't survive. <laughs> Praise God. I I don't believe in coincidences. I believe God has a plan and purpose for everything, and uh, God has taken us in our life through different areas, different uh, times and seasons, and uh, one of those was when he got us out of our comfort zone in San Diego and moved us to Arizona where we met Brother Perryman, and it's, it, it was a hard transition for us because we had everything, you know, I was the assistant pastor to my father-in-law, I had a good position in church, and I had a nice house, brand new truck. Good job, good money, healthy kids, wonderful marriage, and uh, God just said, leave everything behind. I lost my job, I lost my house, I lost my, crashed my car, and and he took us out into the desert. You know, every time God wants to use somebody, he takes them to the desert. (laughs) And uh, I never thought I would be a pastor. I I told my wife, I told my father-in-law, I don't ever want to do this, this is not for me once we were there pastor evans how many know brother pastor richard evans wonderful man of god and i um, i still keep in touch with him i sent him a picture this morning of the arch down in he says those are my stumping grounds <laughs> he answered back right away he says why don't you start pre- start preaching in spanish you're you, there's a lot of people here and uh, and that's where we started pastoring in Prescott Valley, then the Lord told me go back home. and we started preaching over there, and we've been pastoring there for six years now, and uh, it's been a wonderful experience. And uh, and uh, what I want to say is that all that you know, it, it, when I met Brother Perry, man, it's uh, it was it was like he said, uh, friendships like we, we, we had been friends forever, and uh, it's it's been a great experience, uh, good good friendship and. Now we get to come to beautiful St. Louis. I, I didn't think it was this beautiful over here, Pastor. It's nice. It's green. Southern California is 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 dry and there's no water. We're like, you see the signs everywhere. Don't waste any water. <laughs> like, okay. And I come here and there's everything's green and beautiful and the, the rivers and uh, it, it's it's wonderful. And I'm very 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 glad to be here. My wife. Um, we came to take this seminar. Seminar, how do you say that? <laughs> and I'm very grateful for Pastor Buford for the opportunity to let me stand behind your pulpit and uh, preach the word of God. I have a teaching today, and I'm. Uh, I was going to ask my wife to sing, but she felt she feels embarrassed, and uh... <laughs> go for it. <laughs> do it anyways, huh? <laughs> When we started the, the, the church over in Escondido, we didn't have any musicians. I told her, you need to get on that piano. I don't know how you're going to do it. She took two classes, and then she was playing. And then my daughter was like four, and I told her, get on the drums. And she started playing. Now she plays the guitar, the drums, and the piano. And my wife plays the piano. My son sings, and we have a full band. Praise God. God has been blessing us in California. We had a children's revival this past Sunday. About 12 kids received the Holy Ghost. We had a packed house, over 100 people, around 100 people in the, in the house. And it was beautiful and that, you know, fills our hearts, Pastor. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we all stand? We're going to read the word of God. Like I said, I have more of a teaching today. I asked Brother Perry, what do you? What do I do? Do I teach or preach? <laughs> I'll try to do something tonight. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews 9.22. Through to 24, I'm going to read there if you can go with me. I want to talk about the redemption through an atoning sacrifice. Redemption through an atoning sacrifice. Hebrews 9.22-24. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Praise God. Brother Perryman, can you pray for me?
0: Hallelujah.
1: Praise God. Say, You may be seated. And we are going to go into the word of God. Redemption through an atoning sacrifice. How many speak Spanish? If I get stuck, I'm gonna go in Spanish. So, <laughs> I know Brother Javier speaks Spanish. Amen. Anybody else? I don't wanna feel. Amen. Well, I have. My wife speaks Spanish. Hallelujah. Redemption means to buy something back. How many knew that? To buy back. I'm gonna be reading a lot because I translated all this too. <laughs> so, bear with me. Worship God as we go. To rebuy that which was lost. I read a story of a little boy who built a little sailboat. I know you've heard it before. And he went and put it in the, in the lake and the winds blew the boat away. And he ran around and looked for his boat. He couldn't find it. He searched for it, but he lost it. But a man came along and found the boat and looked at, looked at it and thought it was a nice little sailboat. And he took it into his hobby shop and put it in the window with the sell sign, for sale sign. One day the little boy passed by and he saw his boat in the window for sale. He went and he told the man, sir, that boat is mine. I lost it in the lake the other day. I want it. He says, nope. If you want it, you're going to have to pay a price for it. He says, uh, but I lost it. He couldn't talk the man to give him to give it back to him. So he he went, he did some yard work, he got some cash, he went back, he bought the boat back, and he said, Now it's mine twice. Right. Right. Amen. That's redemption. The plan of redemption is not was not an afterthought. The plan of God concerning redemption was not an afterthought. God is the master planner. Calvary's cross, Calvary's Cross and Gray and Grace were. Preceded by the dispensations, the dispensation of law, the dispensation of human government, conscience, creation, and pre creation. But I want to tell you tonight that Calvary was, that Calvary's cross was there before there was ever light, the cross was there before there was a substance. The cross was there from before there was even earth and firmament. It was not an afterthought. Praise God. And God didn't didn't draw out his plan. And then the devil went into the the drawing room and changed everything for him. It didn't happen like that. God didn't have to go back and fix what the devil did and then stuck the, the Calvary in there. God didn't do things like that. No, it wasn't. It was not enough. It was not the way you and I do business. Amen. It was not the way we do things, because God. Let me tell you, the Lord is ahead of the game. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going to happen ten years from now before we can even imagine. Hallelujah. So this is this is uh, this is something very. That we can't can't even imagine how God works in in people's mind in our own lives. So the Lord, from before the beginning of time and creation, knew what was going to take place. And he knew Calvary was necessary before he even spoke the worlds into existence. He knew Calvary was going to be necessary because we said he is quick. He's the head of the game. He knows the beginning from the ending because he is the alpha and the omega. Hallelujah. Yes. And the better news tonight, he is the captain of our ship. He's in control of your life and your situation tonight. Hallelujah. Yes. We see the cross everywhere representing Calvary. But the scripture says that Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Is not an add-on. Amen. When we go into a house and we, we can see that it used to be a two-bedroom, but now it's a four-bedroom. Obviously, there was an add-on. Something was added to the house. First Peter 3, I'm sorry, First Peter 1, verse 9 and 20 says, With the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Titus 1-2 tells us that eternal life was promised before the world began. Knowing that he was going to have to, to rectify the fall of the first man after he already had the plan in place. Amen. Acts 2-23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Jesus was taken and crucified and slain by two things. Number one, the determinate counsel. Number two, the foreknowledge of God. Hallelujah. The men that sat on the council they thought it was their decision. They thought it was their idea that sentenced Jesus to the cross. But the scripture says it was both the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God that brought Jesus to Calvary. It wasn't their idea. It wasn't Judah's idea. It wasn't Pilate's idea. In fact, when Jesus was in front of Pilate, he asked him, Don't you know that I have the power to sentence or to release? Amen. Don't you know? Jesus said, I don't mean to argue with you, Mr. Pilate. But you don't have no, you have no power against me except that it be given you from heaven. There is no power in you. You don't understand, Mr. Pilate. <laughs> you don't understand what's, what, what's going on here. But no man taketh my life from me. I lay it down and I lay it up and I, and I take it up again. He was delivered by for knowledge of God. Hallelujah. All the councils in the world couldn't have taken him to the cross if God had not said. That's the way it is to be. You know, history, I'm sorry, prophecy... Is the mold into where history is poured. The promise of redemption came immediately on the heels of the fall. As we see in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And I want to talk about redemption in typology. You know what that means? Of course you know. Have you heard of the four lambs? Four lambs. Genesis 4.4 talks about Abel's lamb, the lamb for a man. Exodus 12.3 talks about the Passover lamb, the lamb for a house. Leviticus 16.34 talks about the atonement lamb, the lamb for a nation. And then in John 1.24... We find the Lamb of the world. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. They provided, these lambs provided a pattern by which we better understand the New Testament plan. God wants us to know what's going on ahead of time. And everything is in the word of God. Hallelujah. He has a plan and we need to know how his plan is going to affect me. How he's going to affect you. And it's not enough just to know all these theories. I want to know how this is going to affect my life, my heart, my home, my relationship with God. Hebrews 9.23 says, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. Referring to the Old Testament sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. So the Old Testament... Pattern by which we better understand is by how we better understand the New Testament. The Old Testament speaks to us as we live in our new, in the New Testament era. How many believe that? It helps us to better understand the plan of redemption and what God is doing in our in our lives. These patterns, of course, also had a purpose for the people back then, and they provided aton- atonement or. Covering for their sins. Hebrews 9, 7 says, But into the second went the high priest alone once every year and not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Verse 10. These things stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them for a certain time. Amen. This was going to have an ending. It says, these things were imposed upon them until the time of reformation. Praise God. Because they provided atonement, a covering only, and not a remission, not a washing away, not a total undoing. And they did it once a year until the time of reformation. Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Hallelujah. Now this is where the real begins to unfold. Hallelujah. The time of reformation is at hand in This is one of the things that the Old Testament sacrifice and offerings did. It conditioned the hearts and minds of the people to receive the Lamb of God. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't see his purpose. That's the sad part, Pastor. They didn't understand. We said Abel's Lamb for a man. Passover Lamb for the family. The Day of Atonement Lamb for a nation. And now when John the Baptist stood on the banks of the Jordan River and Jesus came to him, John says, behold the Lamb of God. Remember that part? Hallelujah. Right there and then, bells should have started ringing in their minds. Lights should have started flashing in their, in their, in their minds. Flags should have started waving. Hallelujah. Before their eyes, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. This is who should should come, he who should come after me, said John the Baptist. He is the one I was sent to prepare the way for. He is the Messiah. He is the one you've been looking for all these years. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. But they couldn't see him. They couldn't see him. They didn't understand what was taking place. What was going on. Because they were looking for the deliverer Messiah. Hallelujah. They were looking for the white horse Messiah. Praise God. The Rider. And the riot in the white horse with the sword, ready to conquer, to destroy, and deliver them forever of their, their their situation. They were looking for the one who would deliver to and dominate and would restore the kingdom to Israel. They were not looking for the one to ride the donkey. <laughs> they were so disappointed. They were not looking for someone who was going to play the role of the lamb and be sacrificed, they were disappointed. They saw the aspects depicted in the Old Testament of the reigning and kingly Messiah. And he is well described in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Talks about his kingdom. There shall be no end. Talks about his glory and honor forever. He does all these things and he delivers. But that's only one side of him. Amen. That's only one side of Jesus. The other side of him is the one that says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Hallelujah. And he said, you know, they didn't, they didn't see the suffering Messiah. They, they only saw what they were looking for. And that happens to us many times. We have a concept of how things should be done. And then God comes and he tells us, he, he surprises us. We're looking over here and God comes from behind and he turns us around and throws things off. And we're like, what's going on, God? I didn't, I didn't plan this to be like this. Hallelujah. That's, that's exactly what happened over right here. The scripture says he told them plain, plainly what kind of death he should suffer. And by that time, Peter rebuked Jesus. Far be it from thee, Lord. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do these things. And then the Lord answered, get thee behind me, Satan. He called him Satan. Hallelujah. So they were looking for somebody to come and bring them political deliverance. But he didn't. He didn't. Somebody that would deliver them from the Romans. But he didn't. He didn't come from deliver them from economic chaos, from corruption and the tax collectors. He didn't come from to deliver them from oppression that was so real and evident. He came to save his people from their sins. That's the only reason Jesus came to this world to give us life and give us hope and deliver us from our sins. Hallelujah. We, go, we all go through some troubles and, and tribulations sometimes. But we, we ask God, God help me with this. And God says, have you taken care of your sins? And, and sometimes we just want the answer. We want what we want. Hallelujah. And God is more interested in dealing with us in a different area, in a different way. People want to come to be a part of the kingdom Yet, they, keep, they want to keep being sinners. They want to come to church. Sometimes all we want is the benefits without wanting to compromise to the things of the Lord. We would come and ask, and would you come and counsel me, Pastor? Hallelujah. Help my marriage come together. Well, I want to tell you about Jesus. But I want my marriage to come together first. Then you can tell me about Jesus. Pastor, you know, I lost my job and my home is in chaos. I've come to church to see if I can get some counseling and help. Let me tell you about the Savior. Hallelujah. No, no, no. I want to get my life straightened out first. I need a restoration for my kingdom right now. No, no, no. I want to tell you about the Savior, the Redeemer, the, 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 the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And if you experience his presence and embrace him, then you're going to be okay. You're going to see that there's restoration in your kingdom. Hallelujah. Because you're going to get saved. You're going to start behaving yourself again. You're going to act decent. Something good is going to happen to you. But pastor, I need need counseling right now. I need money. Pastors know that some people come and ask for money. Because they think the church has a lot of money. Hallelujah. I want some help. People are, um, they're going to start coming. And they're going to. The first thing they want to. People don't come to church because they want to get saved. They come to church for another reason. For the most part. Looking for something else. For some kind of benefit. Hallelujah. They don't don't say, I'm going to go to church today. I'm going to get saved. I'm tired of sinning. It doesn't happen like that. (laughs) They're always looking for something else. Hallelujah. And. When, when people get saved, people are going to start looking at you different because you got your sin question answered in your life. And that is a very important area to take care of in our, in our lives. Hallelujah. And from that point on, it's just an escalation in your life because God starts blessing us. God is, is going to start blessing you. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He came to save his people from their sins. They should have seen. These people should have seen and understood when John called Jesus the Lamb of God. But they missed it. He came to save his people from their sins. They should have seen this. They should have said Lamb. Ring something in their minds. Lamb, the Lamb of God. They should have known that Lamb means sacrifice. They should have understood especially the priests the rabbis the experts should have said hmm lamb that's always meant sacrifice that's always meant something could it be that there's going to be a sacrifice around here could it be that th- there's there's uh, there's uh, going to be something that has never happened before can we study can we investigate but when the sacrifice element began to unfold, they scattered. They were really disappointed because they didn't expect to be this way. It didn't ex- they didn't expect to be this way because they were looking for the one that would deliver and dominate and would restore the kingdom to Israel. They were not looking for someone who was going to play the role of the lamb and be sacrificed. They still wanted to see the white horse rider. Praise God. What side of him do you want to embrace tonight? What side of Jesus do you want to seek tonight? Let me tell you, I need, I feel that I need the blood of God, of Jesus to wash me every day. I need his blood over my life every day. Sacrifice. For that, I need to die daily. Hallelujah. There was... No, there is no way around. There is there was a, a need for the for the shedding of the blood. There is a need for today in our world for Jesus' blood to cover us, to deliver this people. But most people, like I said, they're looking for something else. They're looking for benefits. Our text reads 922 says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. And I'm almost through. Amen. If we go back to the first sacrifice, we find Abel and Cain's sacrifice. And we know, of course, that Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's was rejected. What happened then? I had always asked myself, um, why is it that Cain's sacrifice was rejected? I really believe he, he brought the best from the harvest. But the difference was that Abel's sacrifice was a blood sacrifice. And Cain's sacrifice, there was something not very pleasing to God in it. He knew better because mom and dad had instructed them both the same. One did the right thing, the other one didn't. And Cain should have known what kind of sacrifice to bring too, but he brought his own thing, a self-will sacrifice. He brought something to which he was connected. He, the fruit of the hands of his hands and the hard labors of his hands. But Abel brought a sacrifice that was totally disconnected from it was blood sacrifice. He was dependent upon something that was outside of himself for redemption, and that is the blood of the Lamb. Without shedding of blood, there is No remission of sins. That's why he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He could never do anything to save ourselves. We couldn't, we could have never done anything to save ourselves. Only Jesus' judgment came down upon humanity. And when that happened, Jesus took our place. He stepped in front and said, Let me, let it fall on me. Let it fall on me, not on them. We are saved by the blood of Jesus, church. If you're not washed by the blood of Jesus in baptism, in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, there is something missing right there. There is something that you need to run and take care of it now. Step to the front and tell, Pastor, I need to wash my sins. I need the blood of Jesus to cover me. Hallelujah. Not by our efforts, by the blood of Jesus. Not by our own wishes, by the blood of Jesus. Not by our wills, not by how much we give in tithes. Not, we can't pay a price for this salvation that God, Jesus, uh, give, gives us. But Let me say something. The penalty, the penalty for sin is not just physical death. We are going to experience physical death whether, whether there is sin in our lives or not. The Bible didn't say that he didn't, he didn't say that he that sinneth is going to die. It said it is appointed unto everybody to die, but it does say that soul that sinneth, it should die. Amen. The soul that sinneth, it should die. We have to die physically, no matter what. Unfortunately, we want to live forever. We have to die physically. Because there has to be a vehicle to bring the soul into the arena. But I would propose to you today that the judgment of Calvary was not just the fact that he was crucified and executed on the cross. With all the, with all the shame and the humiliation and the, and the crown of thorns and mocking and all the pain, there was something else that took place. And that was something called redemption. Jesus taking our place, the love of God towards humanity. It was just the physical death of Jesus. It wasn't just the physical death of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to know that Jesus went too far for us. How many of us deserve it? We don't deserve it. The Bible says that he went to hell and, and so that we didn't have to go there. Jesus took our place, the judgment that was due for me. He took it upon himself. He didn't just die and woke up the next day. Psalm 1610 says concerning Jesus, Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Hallelujah. That's the body of Jesus. He went to hell for you and I, but let me tell you, he couldn't stay there. Hell couldn't, couldn't uh, contain him. Couldn't hold him. Hell couldn't keep him. He rose victorious over death and the grave, hell and the grave. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we all stand? Jesus paid the price. And the devil had to claim that of him because God had already set the ground rules. You know what he said? Jesus, God had said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And the devil knew this. The devil heard him. So he asked, he asked God, you want him back? Yes, I want him back. I want blood. Because you said, without blood, there's no remission. Well, God could have said, well, I'll give you the blood of Abraham. I'll give you the blood of Moses and all the saints from the Old Testament. The devil says, uh-uh, it's not going to work. They're already mine. It's not going to work. They belong to me already. You're going to have to give me some blood or somebody that don't belong to me. The devil must have thought that he had him, But God is way ahead of the game. He called Gabriel. He told Gabriel, we have a mission. Go find Mary. Hallelujah! Send him find, to find Mary. And so he was born of a woman. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed in the world, received up and glory. Same price was paid for all. The price was paid for you, the price was paid for me. Jesus is our ransom. He gave himself as a ransom for us, not by the blood of bulls or goats. They could not do it. Old Testament animal sacrifice could not redeem us. It's not possible that we would be redeemed by animal sacrifice, but by the blood of Jesus. Raise your hands and close your eyes. Hallelujah. Raise your voice. How many can feel? Jesus. Ah, yes, 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 yes. I feel his presence. We can see him. Behold the Lamb of God uh, that taketh away the sin of the world. Wash me, Jesus, wash me, Jesus. Uh, wash me, Jesus, wash me, Jesus. Ah, uh, Korea,